Welcome back to the Broncast, a podcast all about the Ford Bronco. I'm your host, John Melton. I'm Donnie Whiteman. We are two Bronco enthusiasts who love talking about Broncos. We own Broncos. We both work on Broncos. Donnie professionally, me unprofessionally. <laughs> <laughs> the difference is I get paid. Is that it? <laughs> Our sponsors for this episode are Tom's Off-Road and ARP. As your Christmas list is growing, make sure to head over to Tom's Off-Road for all your Bronco needs. And if you're working on that engine, ARP, they've got the studs for you. <laughs> that's not that's not really their slogan. Probably shouldn't they use that. They do have studs. We do, we do too at the Broncast. <laughs> Josh, our producer. And yeah. <laughs> Um, well, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about a little bit about the Gen 6, but we're going to focus on Gen 1, 1971 to 1975. Man, I mean... And 76 to 77. Yeah. And I, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this episode. It's been kind of a long time coming. Like, we've been working through how the Bronco got started, and in this episode, we're kind of finishing up the the uh, first generation and it's exciting i'm i'm excited to jump into the material there's so much more than we thought oh we, we're gonna have to take uh um packages and do the a whole nother episode on that yeah i we will come back to this you know we will come back to the history as we move on but yeah this is this will be a good kind of wrap up episode towards the end of the year but before we get into that What's been going on in your world this week? Well, I was going to ask you, did you get any interesting emails from our listeners? Oh, we've gotten a lot of good emails, actually. Um, and let me give let me give our, our audience here a little tease, tease to some things that are up and coming. Because I'm loving the stuff that we're getting. Uh, Bruner, David Bruner, he said, I uh, love listening to the podcast. Um, he wanted us to talk about what it takes to rebuild a Dana 20 versus wow. just going out and buying an Atlas transfer case, which man, that, that is a great topic to talk about. We're not going to talk about it today, but I'm excited for that one. Um, uh, Les was asking, um, what it takes to put in a coyote into an early Bronco. Yeah, that's a good discussion. Yes. Really good. Um, which I think, uh, we're going to talk, we're going to tease you guys a little bit, but next year we've got some good podcasts planned. Uh, and Ryan emailed us, uh, and this is actually going to be our first, we will tell you this, this will be our first podcast episode of next year, 2023. And he said, I'm flying into a Bronco event from Alaska. Wow. Which is the best one to go to? And I was like, oh, man, that's a tough, tough question. But we're going to talk about all things 2023 Bronco events for next year. That'll be good. I, I got a comment yeah. from a friend of mine. He said I had a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like podcasts. It's the same as long as you don't videotape it. Right. Too bad <laughs> we are videotaping it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. I got um, a little fan mail. From my own son, ah. and uh, he is Clark. Is uh, how old is he? 
nine. <laughs> the pressure is on. Held my son. Um, he said the broadcast is amazing. I will support you the whole way. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on to uh, talk about it. Dad, you're the best, and you're doing amazing on the broadcast. So, like, it was really funny. My kids. You know, they've heard us talking about the podcast. They've heard me and Bethany, my wife, talking about it and um, just different stuff. Well, my daughter, I forget if I mentioned this on the podcast, but she was like, uh, can I get Spotify on my, like she has a little um, iPod mini or whatever they are. And uh, she was like, can I get Spotify? And I was like, no, you don't need Spotify. And she's like, no, I really want Spotify. And I'm like, what are you going to listen to? And she was like, well, I wanted to listen to your podcast. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, in that case. Yeah, yeah. So all the kids have been listening to it. I still don't think my wife has listened to it. That's awesome. My kids listen to it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah. My, my son has some really good feedback. So nice. Um, nice. I appreciate that. Yeah. Bronco News um, in the uh, news front um, SEMA was a couple weeks ago and one of the things that popped up, a lot of things popped up at SEMA Bronco wise, but one of the things that I really thought was cool, um, was this Bronco pro runner, um, and kind of, um, you know, a little bit different APG off road, um, is putting it together and they're doing, it's the ultimate performance package for the Ford Bronco. But it's like they're doing this package with 40-inch tires oh, and wow. like coilovers. And, <clears throat> but what I really liked about it was their take on the fenders. Like I, I haven't loved the fenders on the new Bronco. Um, and so anytime someone does something that is really just unique, um, I'm always like, ooh, that's cool. Um, and so at SEMA, they de- debuted their, their Pro Runner. Um, and uh, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It looks, looks pretty cool. Um, no idea, uh, what this company does or anything like that, but it's one of those things where it's like you pay them and they will put the package on. So they're not selling the fenders Uh, or the suspension or anything like that, but they're doing like these upgrades to your Bronco, putting forties on it and stuff like that. Oh yeah. That's cool. In in other G6 news, uh, the ordering banks are not going to reopen for the Bronco until February 23rd. Is what what I've heard. So we'll be talking about that for a while. I think that's pretty interesting. Um, I'm trying to score someone's four door right now. So I have someone that wants the two door and uh, my wife's just like, if I had four doors, I'd get one. So I think I'm going to try and (laughs) get her to buy that one. Yeah. So, but I think I'll make a, a good tow vehicle too. And you know, seats a lot more people, carries a lot more stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I really want to try four-door next. Nice. All right. Well, moving in to uh, to our episode, but first, I don't know if you, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you don't get to see this, um, <laughs> but our producer, Josh's wife, makes the most amazing cookies I've ever tasted, and I have two of them on this desk, and they will probably slowly disappear as the uh, episode goes on. If I hear some crunching, I'll know, <laughs> yeah. we'll all know what it was. If you hear moaning. That's that's all it is. If you hear moaning in this episode, it's just me it's eating the a chocolate cookie. chip cookie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, they look delicious. The Rachel Toller chocolate chip cookie. That's right. There was a Gen Six guy. I saw a post on the internet that said he was recently driving through a snowstorm in northern ohio and it's like ice and slush and snow 
and he said he put it in goat mode and he said he had 100% traction the whole time. Oh, man. He said it was absolutely amazing. So goat yeah. mode is like snow mode. Well, there is. There's the slippery goat mode. It's And then I think, I forget all the goat modes, but I think it's slick, like slippery wet. And that's the best one because it actually, I do know this from my work with Bronco Nation, they, it actually decreases your pedal sensitivity on your throttle so you don't sp- like spin oh, the tires. Yeah. Like, which is genius when you're driving in the snow. Makes you drive ice. like an old lady. Yeah. I mean, you can still get <laughs> up to speed, but like, you know, if you accidentally step on it real hard, it's not going to spin, you know, sp- oh, that's spin cool. you out. Yeah. And it, and it, you know, moves the power to the wheels, you know, as they need it and stuff like that. Pretty cool. We haven't had any weather here yet. No. So yeah. Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Well, moving on into our episode DIY or PAY. And today, you know, uh, ARP is one of our sponsors, which just makes us think about bolts and fasteners and that kind of thing. Um, and so we just wanted to talk a little bit about checking and pro- possibly replacing the bolts on your Bronco. Uh, kind of in the order of um, importance so you don't fall out of your Bronco. So <laughs> yeah. starting with um, steering uh, seat belts. Um, and, you know, this is one of those important things that it is important to check. And just to check the life of, of that bolt, um, I think it's a, you know, pretty small, uh, small bolt that's going through your seat belt, going right into the, the tub of the Bronco. Super easy to check. You know, this is one wrench. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's definitely something that if you own an early Bronco, you should go out there and check your seatbelt bolts um, and just make sure they're not old and rusty and crusty and falling yeah. apart. And and your seat bolts while you're at it. A lot of people add aftermarket seats and they'll use really cheap bolts and uh, they come loose because maybe they didn't get them tight or the seat vibrates. So, Check your seat bolts also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is the seat belt bolt. Um, and then this is the actual, no, this is the seat belt bolt. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, pretty easy. I just put together the rear bench seat in my 75 so the kids could ride around with me. And, um, and yeah, replaced all the bolts and bought a bolt kit from Tom's Off-Road. I think the bolt kit was 20 uh, $20 and it gave you all the bolts for all the front seats, rear seats and seat belts. So 20 bucks, you know, you could have all new bolts for, for your Bronco. And if, and if you bought a Bronco recently, a 66 to 77 or any generation, actually not, not new, um, definitely check like roll cage bolts because again, yeah. those were put in afterwards, usually by an owner, not by a dealer or anything like that. So you just want to check all those bolts. Yep. Half the time they're they're loose, yeah, and you don't want to find out later. Exactly. So, um, well, and even you know, um, I'm going to jump down uh, the the hard top. Um, those all of mine have rusted, you know, because oh. it just gets wet. My hard top leaks, um, so all those bolts have rusted. So you know, that's another one. Uh, you said roll cage. Also check checking the hard top. Um, that's an easy check in those bolts. That's what this is. Um, those bolts are super cheap and easy to replace, you know? So, yeah. And I think, um, you know, suspension bolts, mm-hmm. you know, you go underneath the front of the truck, 
check your U-bolts at the back, or, you know, your suspension bolts to the axles and just go through them. Make, first of all, make sure they're all there. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of times on the suspension, if you've got aftermarket suspension also, there'll be a castle nut. Looks like, you know, a crown of King's crown. Yep. And there should be a hole drilled through the bolt itself or the steering rod end or yeah. whatever there should be. Tie rod. Uh, what am I thinking of? Yeah, a hole a for the cotter castle. pin. <laughs> uh, for the cotter pin, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, if there's not a cotter pin and you don't have one handy, at least run a wire through it until you get a cotter pin. But yeah. definitely want to make sure those don't come off. Cotter pins are super cheap. Buy them for a dollar, three dollars at AutoZone or O'Reilly's, pa- wherever yeah, you go. Yeah, for a package of them. Yeah, but yeah, definitely you want to check that. And, you know, suspension is one of those things, and steering, you mentioned steering, that you just want to know that, you know, they're, they're on there tight because how many times you're driving down the road and you start feeling a little shake and you're like, uh, what is that? <laughs> you know, like, right. And you, you want to know that your bolts are tight and, um, and that they're in good, good condition. Um, I grabbed this one. This is the shackle rear shackle bolt for my leaf spring, uh, that I was putting on my 74. Um, and, uh, Again, Tom's off road. They, you know, they sell the kit of, of bolts, but also ARP. You know, the, these mm-hmm. are the kinds of bolts, suspension, steering, um, and even engine that mm-hmm. ARP really excels at um, with with that. Anytime I'm disassembling a Bronco, you know, we're not even going to use the body or whatever, or I'm working on an engine or suspension or steering. There's a probably fifty percent of the time the bolts are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Which means that they're not threaded all the way in. They're right. the wrong size. They're stripped, you know. Um, so another thing is just to make sure all the bolts are properly torqued. Yeah. You know, they're torque specs for everything. Um, not everything on the Bronco, but, you know, there are torque specs. They should be tightened to 12 pounds or 45 pounds or, or greater, depending on what the bolt is. Yep. So like on the engine, the bolts around the engine, if your engine's leaking, a lot of times people think, oh, I just got to tighten them up. When the reality is we, we just took some valve covers off an engine. We did the whole front and top of the engine. It was leaking everywhere. It was a black clot of dirt. <laughs> yeah. It was actually blue when we cleaned it. Um, but so we had to replace bolts. And as we're taking the timing cover off, um, you know, there's two broken bolts and then we're taking more parts off. Yeah. Um we took the intake off. Someone had snapped one of those, which means they're way over torquing them. So bolts break when you go too tight. Yeah. Um, so we cleaned this whole thing up, new gaskets, painted everything, put it back on. But the valve covers had cork gasket chunks in it, some black other material gasket, and two colors of RTV. So oh. uh, just bought new cork gaskets, some kind of old school. And yeah. the cork gaskets were $24.99 at O'Reilly's. Yep. And, uh, you know, we cleaned the inside of the valve cover. We cleaned the surface on the head and I cranked those down and I, and I used traditional petroleum based oil in this guy's engine. There you go. <laughs> Thought you'd be happy about <laughs> yes, that. Yes. Yes. A little zinc additive. <laughs> and put some zinc additive in go. it. That's there right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And that, now it won't leak. Now his engine's going to stay pretty blue. And if it does leak, he'll see where it's leaking this time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, a, that's a huge point. Yeah. Just, you know, here's our reminder for you guys to check your bolts, check your uh, check your valve cover gaskets, check your engine bolts, suspension, all that good stuff, uh, because we don't want you to crash in your early Bronco due to a bolt failure. 
Okay, Bronco history for 1971 to 1975. Sort of group these together because those years are all very similar. And then 76 and 77 are, to me, unique. Yeah. They actually really started to make some big changes. Um, but from 71 to 75, um, in the last episode, we talked about numbers from 66 to 1970. And then 1970, they just didn't change much. But from 71 to 75, they changed quite a bit. We got a lot of great stuff. So starting with 71, Ford rolls out a lot of consumer-demanded upgrades, um, options that, that people had just been waiting for. Other manufacturers had them, and Bronco just didn't get them. But um, So they lost thousands of sales to other companies wow. by not having an automatic transmission, for example. Wow. So one of the first things that they did was they added the automatic transmission, a three-speed automatic, to the three-speed manual, which was on the column, yep. you know, so yep. they call that three on the tree because it kind of looks like a bunch of branches sticking out the column. But they put the automatic up there too, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, um, that's what mine is. And I, I love it. You know, like everyone looks at the twin stick shifter and thinks, oh, you drive a manual. And I'm like, actually, it's an automatic because it's right there on the column. Yeah. It's not that there wasn't a, a manual transmission. They still sold probably 50% or more were manual transmissions. So the second thing that they came out with was power steering, which is a huge deal because everybody else had power steering. Uh, the Dana axle, they came out with a Dana 44. Oh, okay. so, I mean, so that's when it hit. Yeah. 71. yeah. It's just kind of interesting because these are three changes that everyone was asking for and waiting for. And then they finally, just in 71, they started rolling these things out. Bronco production and sales were pretty consistent from 71 to 74, ranging from like 20 to 25,000 units each year, which really isn't that many. But in 1971, there were 21,056 Broncos produced in comparison to 125,000 Mustangs. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it's five times, right? Jeez. And there are numbers that are even bigger than that. So in 72, there's 21,000 Broncos. Uh, in 73 and... Uh, about the same number, but in 1974 was the biggest year for the Bronco. There were 25,824 produced wow. amidst a fuel crisis. And um, Ford rolls out in that same year of the fuel crisis, the Mustang II. Oh. <laughs> they sold 385,000. What? I know. I thought they made like less than the Bronco. Yeah. Totally got that wrong. That car wow. was a smash the first year. Wow. Yeah. The Mustang too. Yeah. Man. Such a huge, it's, it's funny. I had no idea until yeah. I looked that number up. Um, yeah. But then in 1975, the Bronco suffers a huge, like 50% decrease. They make 13,000 units. Wow. I always thought there were more Broncos made than this. Yeah. I would have thought, oh, maybe half as many as the Mustang. But right. Now, the Mustang was usually eight to 10 times. Man. Anywhere from five to 10 times. But many years, the numbers were 200 and to 300,000 Mustangs to 20,000 Broncos. That's crazy. What's so interesting too, like, you know, during this time you have, uh, I think it was 73, the sixth generation of the F100 or F150, F100 came out. And that's what the second generation Bronco was modeled after mm -hmm. was the sixth generation F100. And their plan was in 74, to launch the second generation Bronco. But because of the fuel embargo, because of the like recession and all mm -hmm. this that's going on, they ended up just 
canning it. Um, and, uh, and it's just so interesting. I think about often like what would have happened if the Bronco first gen was only, it would have been eight years and the second generation instead of only being two years was five years. Mm-hmm. Like just the difference, you know, what, what, I don't know what would have happened. Maybe nothing, but you know, it's just interesting to think about that, you know, was, was kind of the, one of the points of like, nope, we're not going to be able to launch the new second generation Bronco. Well, and somewhere in here, um, you know, those are production numbers. That doesn't mean that's what they sold in the U.S. Somewhere in here, there are 9,000 units that get shipped to Iceland. Wow. And I, I wonder if it wasn't right in this early 70s that they went. I know on the um, Bring Back Bronco series on podcast, yeah. uh, Sonari talks about that and says, uh, I don't remember if he says what year it is. Yeah, I don't remember. And so, you know, that supposedly in Iceland, there's you can drive around and in a day see like eight or ten Broncos in yeah. use. Yeah. And they're not restored. They're right. still using them just like an totally. F-100. Well, and even Bronco Nation um, went to Iceland with one of the new Broncos oh. uh, and kind of did an homage to the classics being out there and met with some of the um, Bronco clubs out there. It was a really cool video that they put, put out on, on YouTube, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, um, interesting. Yeah. Just, you know, you wonder, was it 74 that year where there was the most and they had 9,000 extras that they just shipped out to Iceland in our podcast metrics. One of our first subscribers was from Iceland. Yeah. We're like, what? <laughs> he's like number six. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. He's a good guy. I, I, don't, I can't say his name, but if you're listening Asugar. I don't know if that's how you say your name. I can see it. Thank you, our Iceland buddy. That's super interesting um, with that 74, 75 time with the economy being down and, and everything, you know, everyone was looking at fuel economy and, and looking at how can we, why would we get these gas guzzling SUVs kind of thing, you know? Yeah. The, um, and then we've got some information here on the different years, uh, 72 through 75. We talked about the consistent production numbers, the Strop Broncos being made. Um, there are, uh, I think, 80 Strop Broncos the first year as a package. I kind of like to talk about them separately because this is their window when they were actually a package. And it was besides yeah. the sport um, package, the, you know, they're in standard, there really weren't many packages and then they really start to explode. But Ranger packages, um, in addition with Explorer packages, uh, what is your Bronco? Which one is it? Mine is a Sport. Um, it's not. So around then there was a Sport Explorer package, um, which Sport, like kind of how you can tell a Sport, there's a lot of things. But um, the Sport Chrome kind of stripe uh, on the outside, that's one of the, one of the things, but yeah, they had <clears throat> different trim on the inside and, um, uh, there was, you know, mine, mine is a, um, sport package and, you know, there's, there's all these little nuances and differences that Jimmy Golden, who was on, on the podcast would be a good one to tell us all about all the differences. Um, but the biggest thing that I remember is the trim, that goes on the outside. Like that's, that's the sport, um, trim. 
And then you have like the Explorer package, which I think changed some of the seats and you got, you know, I think the Explorer package was the one with the houndstooth seats um, and different colored interiors and stuff like that. Uh, and I think in 73 was when the Ranger package came out. Um, but, you know, it's all marketing stuff. You know, it's like Ford is like, how can we hit a new market? You know, how can we kind of get a new market in and what can we put in there to kind of interest them and, and, and these different things? But, yeah. So in 1971 is when Dana comes out with a 3,000 pound Dana axle and 3,000 pound capacity. Um, and then uh, versus the Dana 30, which was like 2,500 pounds. Yeah. But everybody wanted that bigger axle. Yep. Um, and then in 72, um, I think there was a 21,115 produced and 1,307 were the pickups, the half cab. Okay. Utility vehicle. Um, so those numbers were starting to fall off. So that I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, um, we sort of track the half cab numbers during these 71 through 75 years because it actually goes away. So I think the Sport and Ranger packages are also added in 72. Maybe that's the first year for the Ranger then. Yeah. Um, okay. Yep. And so there were 7,732 Sport packages sold in... Um, 72 just to give you an idea of how many people upgraded yeah. you think about that's more than a third of total production wow so that's the last year for the inline six as a 170 cubic inch engine and then it goes to a 200 cubic inch um it uh, rivals the horsepower and torque of the 302 so a, you're saying a 72 inline six is is the inline six to 72 and up inline six well and they eventually go not in the Bronco, but in like the trucks, they go up to a 300 cubic inch in line six, which would fit right yeah. inside. Um, and, you know, you can make all kinds of power with an inline six with things called like lump ports and, you know, a hot cam and um, you can throw turbos on them. They'll handle all kinds of stuff. It's, it's sort of a popular thing in the pickup truck world right now to have a different engine in your truck instead of a, you know, LS an or LS Coyote. and a Chevy yeah. or a Coyote. The guys are, a lot of guys are building Inline sixes. That's cool. There's all kinds of room for a turbo. Yeah. So I'd, I'd cool. love to see someone build an inline six in a Bronco. I think that'd be neat. Yeah. So there's the C4. There's basically just, that's the only automatic that's come out, right? Right. Yeah. They don't ever make another one. Uh, no, not until AOD, um, mm -hmm. which isn't offered in first generation. It wasn't around in the first generation Bronco. Um, so yeah, C4 was the only trans automatic transmission, um, offered in the, the first generation Bronco. Right. And then in, in 1973, there, there is a transfer case change from T-shift to a J-stick. Yep. Is that the right? T-shift's first, J-stick second. I think that's They're right. They're both yeah. Dana 20s. Yep. So we were just talking about that the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Basically it's how you shift, you know, it's. I think a T stick, I believe the J you have on the left too high. Then you go down to, I'm trying to picture it in my mind, neutral. And then it's like to the right and up to four high and then all the way up to four low. Um, I believe that's what, that's what it is. Someone's going to correct us. I'm sure about it. <laughs> um, and then T is just straight up and down. So too high, neutral, four high, four low. Yep. Okay. Um, and then uh, in 1974, um, 
there's 21,800 made. Still, those numbers are just so consistent. Yeah. Um, and it's like the last year in 74 that they used this truck called the Shelby Bronco in their ads. They, they used that truck for eight years in their ads and just kept repainting it. The Shelby Bronco? Yeah. Like remember really? we talked about oh, that with Jimmy? Yeah. He said it was one of the first known production Broncos. It's yeah. in like the marketing ads and they just kept photo retouching it and painting on trim and marker lights. and Wow. And I don't know how many different colors the truck was, but it still has the snaps from the vinyl top where it had, it was a roadster at one time in like 66 in an ad. Man. And that's the one that Gateway Bronco owns. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, but they yeah, call yeah, it the yeah. Shelby, and I still don't know why it's called the Shelby Bronco, um, but um has nothing to do with like Carol Shelby. Right. So. That's so interesting. We need to do a whole other episode on the Strop Bronco because that was going on around here too. But you mentioned they kept using the Shelby Bronco. Well, they used the Strop Bronco in a Bronco ad, in a Ford Bronco ad after they had closed production for the strop. Oh. And yeah. so it was like same kind of thing, you know, it was like the Baja uh, edition Bronco was in this Bronco ad a year after they had said strop had closed down and no more, no more strop. So it's interesting. Well, when we go to 76 and 77, it pops back up again. Really? So, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you about that when we get there. Um, so to me, 19, um, 75 is, is kind of a sad year because there aren't any good looking cars anymore. They're all boxes. My dad bought a 74 Impala and it literally was looked like a box. You know, they just, there's uh, not much styling to it, but everybody is about just inexpensive fuel economy. And I feel like the Bronco was the only vehicle that still had shape. And it's because they just didn't restyle it or come out with a new one. It's kind of like the checker cab never got changed. They yeah. just kept making the Bronco, but um, it was the only shapely vehicle still in the market. So it's kind of cool that they just kept producing it because those years are, in my opinion, with all the features and drivability and looks, really some of the most valuable to me. Yeah, yeah. Big production uh, drops down to 13,125 units in 75. That, that's just huge. Um and it had a big V8 engine that probably had a lot to do with it. Yep. My dad was driving a 71 Beetle that he traded in on the Impala. <laughs> so, you know, that's how, how bad fuel economy was. I remember the Impala was way underpowered. I, I, I preferred the Beetle. Yeah. So I think the, the, the price of the Beetle was like $1,900 brand new. Crazy. And it was all optioned out. It was a Super Beetle, which means it came with a radio. Nice. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I said earlier, like the, um, Bronco, the second generation Bronco was scheduled to come out in 74. Uh, America, you know, kind of hits this recession point. And, you know, if you think about it, it's so much easier to just do upgrades to a, your current line of vehicles rather than completely changing every part of the factory line you know it's like and and that's what they chose to do to save money was we'll just keep rolling with this you know the first generation and and just keep rolling until till we're ready so if you look at the 75 76 it has all the stuff that the second generation had with the 
first generation body. So they start making all these changes to the the bron- the first generation Bronco like adding disc brakes. Like you couldn't you didn't have disc brakes on on the first gen until 76. Um they added a power brake system. So you had this big brake booster. Um, to fit the the big brake booster, they had to move the steering shaft down a little bit. And so, um, you know, it's like there's, I think in seven, somewhere in the 70s, they started notching or putting a little crease in the fender um, for the steering shaft. But you see that uh, move on the 76, 77. Um, they, uh, well, and that's identifiable because that booster goes off at an angle. Yep. Exactly. To make room for that booster. Yeah. Which you look at it and it's like, like how that thing is all set up. It's like totally, which is always the Bronco, but it's like, so last minute kind of thinking, (laughs) you know, it's like, no, let's not redesign it all. Let's just put a bracket that's angled, you know, to, to go that room. way with yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but to allow for the, the brake booster, the steering shaft was lowered. They added a steering box, uh, the, or they changed the steering box ratio, um, from 5.8 to, or 5.3 to 3.8, which I don't know if you've driven a 5.3, but it's like, yeah, you're like, I feel like you're driving a bus, you know, it's like, all right, kids, here we go. We're going to make a left turn, you know? (laughs) Um, and, uh, the 3.8 is great. Um, and now I think they call it the 3.75 quick ratio. Um, but they added that collapsible steering shaft that we've talked about because in front head on collisions that, you know, that steering shaft could become a spear. Um, well, and that's how you remove it. You pull it straight at yourself yeah. when you're taking yeah. it out. <laughs> so scary. <laughs> um, so this is the big one where they they did the Y steering linkage. Um, and this is because in the second generation, I don't, maybe not the second gen, but third gen Broncos, they, that, they kind of figured out that IFS type of thing and they did the twin traction beam suspension, mm-hmm. um, which they had in the Bronco for a while. Um, and this was kind of the beginnings of that, you know, instead of having just the normal, you know, um, steering, uh, where you had your steering linkage that went from knuckle to knuckle in a straight bar, um, cause they were fighting death wobble, <laughs> go figure. <Yeah. laughs> um, you know, and so they, they did this new Y steering linkage. Um, and because of that, they had to reshape the track bar and they actually added in a sway bar, which it so improved the road handling manners on a stock Bronco, but they were destroying them on a lifted Bronco. And, you know, cause you would start lifting it up and it, and the, uh, the, what is that? Camber. Camber would start yeah. changing, you know? And, and so it, added all these new problems. So, um, but that was, they added a drop track bar bracket, um, which all of this just really did help with the road manners when you had it, you know, stock tires, stock lift. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and it really drove a, a ton better. Um, and then they also, they, the 302 compression went from an 8 to an 8.4 to 1 compression, which added a whopping 12 horsepower. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and they added the DuraSpark 2 distributor in there, um, which it's interesting. On the 76-77, you can see there's a, a notch in one of the um, hood 
uh, cross beams to fit because this distributor is yeah, massive. Yeah. Um, the Dura Spark 2 or yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, in my 75, I had the Dura Spark 1 or something. But um, yeah, so this just huge, massive thing. But I think the most noticeable thing, whenever you're looking at Broncos and you see the gas doors, um, that was unique to the 76, 77. And it was like, that was the thing that, that kind of sets them apart but what's interesting, I, I think, with the 76, 77 is nowadays everyone puts all of those things, except for the Y steering linkage, power booster, disc mm-hmm. brakes, everyone puts all that into their Bronco when they're working on it. You yeah, know? they're 75 and older. Brake booster kit's like the number one upgrade. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Because they don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were talking about automatics in 76, uh, 68% of the sales were automatic and in 77, 70% were automatic. Wow. So Look the at market that trend. was really shifting towards the auto transmission, which was still the C4. Um, and in 76, there were 15,000 units in 74 or 77, there were 14,000 units. So you see the, you know, mm-hmm. decline because of what you said, everyone was getting bigger and better. And even when you look at the marketing in 76, 77, it's all, we're nimble, we're quick. We, you know, can fit through, you know, this and fit around this. And it was all about the size being smaller was a good thing. But in reality, everyone was looking for these bigger four by four uh, SUV vehicles. They were even trying to market to a younger audience to get them to go off-roading. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, well, maybe if we could, then they buy it. Yeah, totally. Um, but the market was definitely had shifted. I mean, look at the market today. You got suburban XLs. Yeah, totally. You know, totally. The market's huge. Well, there's so much more that we could talk about um, with with these. But one thing that, you know, we always, uh, we're, we're getting a lot of our information from Todd Zerker's book. Um, and one of the things that I want to save for the book, because it's just, Todd does such a good job of explaining it, is the whole balloon chaser, Bronco ambulance kind of story with uh, Strop and, and uh mm-hmm. And and there's a whole marketing campaign um, with these. And I, when you read it, I, I just can't do it justice just talking about it. I, they talk about it in Bring Bronco Back. But um, I think Todd does such a good job of telling that story. I want to leave it for go buy Todd's book. Uh, you know, it's. The- well, and he has pictures of all of those, the the Strop Ambulance and the Strop Balloon Chasers, yeah. what they call yeah. them. And then I would love to find one of those. They actually made Drew some to Peroni. sell too. Yeah. Drew Peroni has one. He sometimes brings it to Supercell. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think he brought it he, uh, two years ago during the COVID October Supercell. I got some cool pictures. Drew's a really cool guy. So yeah, he has his. But um, guys, there's so much, you know, history that we could spend hours talking about. So we'll come back to this definitely as time goes on, but we're going to close this chapter um, of uh, Bronco history here. um, Unless there was anything that you had pressing. Um, Can we tease, tease what's coming up a little bit? Yeah, I think we should. We've got big plans for next season. Are you talking about our final episode? No, next season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, I mean, we, uh, we we're we're stopping the first generation here and next season we're going to jump into 
generation two, three, four, five, six, maybe a little Bronco two homage <laughs> as well. <laughs> but it's going to be cool. I, I'm looking forward to, I've been, and not just like, I think we're going to dedicate a whole episode to each generation, you know? So like, um, I've been looking at with generation three, like, where do you go buy parts? You know, like what are, you know, cause not a lot of the early Bronco vendors have parts for these. So stick around for those. They're, they're going to be exciting, uh, to talk about and to, to cover, Close us out. Thanks for listening. Uh, We have another podcast coming. Our final episode of the year is our Christmas special. Look for that. We'll see you next time. Thank you again for listening to another episode of the Broncast. We want to thank our sponsors, Tom's Off-Road, for all your Bronco parts and ARP automotive racing products. We also want to give a special thanks to our technical producer, Josh Toller. We couldn't do this without him. And the music you heard today is from Adam Nitty, bass player extraordinaire. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on The Broadcast. <laughs>